You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 137, for Monday, the 3rd of June, 2019. My guest today is Adam Nichols, who regular listeners will know I've wanted to re-interview for some months now. We first spoke in January 2017, when Adam was struggling to sell his thrillers in any volume, and had just released a series of fantasy novels. We met in person at 20 Books London in 2018. Then the next thing I knew, Adam was posting in the 20 Books Facebook group, explaining how he'd earned tens of thousands of dollars in a couple of months by re-releasing his revamped thrillers. In fact, last year was such a success for Adam that he became a six-figure author, and that's in pounds, not dollars. With rapid release being such a hot topic at the moment, and with my own author career having so much in common with Adam's, I've been dying to get him in front of a microphone and find out the secrets to his success. When we chatted for the podcast, I started by asking him where he was as an author last time we spoke. Um, it's an absolute mess. Uh, <laughs> if you, it was, um, I think at the time I just had my first thousand, thousand dollar month, um, but I needed to change something, so I, I started genre hopping. But that's interesting because genre hopping is usually kind of dare I say it, a sign of desperation or exasperation, maybe is a better word. With the, Absolutely. The genre, is that why you did it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why I did it. Um, to be honest, I, I wasted a few months there. I wish I could kind of get those back and just stick with what I was, uh, the crime thrillers, for sure. It didn't take too long out, though, I don't think. Was it about, was it a lost year? Was it as long as a lost year, then? Um, somewhere between six months and a year. I think I was messing around in between as well, just kind of, Fitting back and forth, and I was getting fed up with urban fantasy quite quickly. Yeah. So you'd had your first thousand dollar month, and that's actually, you know, I could, I, I, I've, I've done that. I did that some time ago. That's kind of like the first big milestone, I think, isn't it? Was that four figure? That's a four figure month. It's quite exciting when you do that. Um, and you'd had that with thrillers, had you, or with the fantasies? That was with the the crime thrillers, but I could see that 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 month, uh, so the next month wasn't going as well as as, as the thousand dollar month. So. Um, I kind of needed to adjust my plan, <laughs> and that's that's what brought about the urban fantasy ones. So, what was wrong with the thrillers at that time? Do you think what was what was going wrong? Because you were, I mean, you've always been a good writer. You, you get that stuff out, don't you? Uh, I try, I try. <laughs> um, so, I think um, largely it, it wasn't written to market. I kind of sat down and thought, okay, this is what I want to write, and I wrote it. Now that's all well and good. I think if you're not necessarily trying to make a career out of it. Um, for me, I had to go back and study the market and see the tropes, what people wanted, um, everything down to even the cover. You know, a, a good cover can be a good cover, but it might not be the right cover. Uh, so I had to get all of those redone. Okay, so when you did the fantasy, just come back to the fantasy briefly, how, how did that go? Was that just like a complete non-starter? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of covers, I think that was a large part of why it, it didn't quite take off. Um, and I think if I could turn back the clock, I would probably rapid release those as well. Um, it just it just didn't work out for me. I don't think I'm that kind of writer. I don't have that. Um, it takes a certain skill to pull off open fantasy, and I can't quite do it. 
Funny thing is, though, I mean, looking at the, you wrote as AC Nichols there, and looking at your author page, you know, the covers are strong. They've got a strong brand. You know, the fonts are good. Your reviews were good. You know, the, your five and four stars reviews. You know, the the the, the jury didn't condemn you for that. They 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 were quite happy. Um, loyal readers. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't looked at that page for over a year. It's really um, I kind of abandoned ship on that one. But yeah, I think this is the thing. Certain. Um, like I'm saying, it wasn't written to, I mean, it was kind of written to market, but the covers would definitely fire off, and, and there's certain tropes I was missing, um, as well as it being a new genre for me, I, I just couldn't quite do what the readers expected at the time. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, having struggled with the thrillers, but had a $1,000 month, which, again, we always have to remember, wherever we are, that there's always somebody who would cover a thousand dollars in a month you know that's that's all like they, they're looking for as their next target so it's a pretty good target to hit because uh, you know you will know i know you've been doing this for years and i know it's a hard target to hit it's not not one that just comes overnight um uh, you know whatever genre you're in so the the, the fantasy hadn't gone brilliantly uh, at what point did you say you know okay need another plan uh i think that was when i got a very large electricity bill um <laughs> yeah it reached that stage um i think honestly there's a lot of messing messing around on my end um i think you just need to write a plan i've always been the kind of person who who writes down a plan even if it's like a two-step plan um i, I find that it, it helps you stick to that direction you know um so i i sat down one day and said okay i need to pick a genre i need to pick a subgenre and a niche um, and I need to write to market and make sure that I'm, I think uh, somebody in 20 books said it really well. They said, uh, we need to uh, find the hungry readers, find out what they like to eat, and then feed it to them. Perfect. <laughs> now, I, I first encountered you on, this is going to take you back, on the Facebook kindling site. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, wow. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's how long I've been stalking you, Adam. <laughs> it's an honour to be stuck by you, Mr. T. <laughs> and so you were on Kindling. I mean, you know that, and that, frankly, I would say was the twenty books of its time, wasn't it? It was the best site of its time. That uh, you know, before twenty books was invented. Mm, I absolutely think so. Yeah, I took a lot from that group, uh, a lot, and a lot of those members have come over to twenty books. Yeah, uh, it, it was the early twenty books, wasn't it? Because it was right, rinse, repeat. I think pretty well was what what the guy used to say. Was it, what's his name? I forgot. The guy was it Jeff or something. Jeff, Jeff Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, was, early, yeah. it was that, wasn't it? Early, uh, early twenty books philosophy, really. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think all of these groups tend to encourage the same thing: just keep producing work. Uh, I think once I shifted my mindset into that, that's when I started seeing results. So twenty books. I'm just trying to think, was around then when you'd finished the fantasy, and you, I think you were a pretty early adopter with that. When, when did that kind of 20 books message start to really sink in for you? Was it as a result of that electricity bill? Um, I think that combined with a lot of people post their, um, I call it a stealth brag, they, they post their results and say, look, you could be making this amount of money too. And I think that's, that's kind of the kick up the backside you need, really. Uh, I mean... At the end of the day, you're trying to make money off it, aren't you? Money off of doing something you love. Um, and seeing other people do that is a great inspiration. Um, so I think finding, because I didn't find 20 books until I think I published, I don't know, my third or fourth open fantasy. Um, it took a while for the message to sink in, for sure. <laughs> now, um, 
the other thing that we should emphasize here is I, I know that I mean you mentioned the electricity bill but I know that the context of you trying to get your writing career going was that uh, you know like most of us that you were, you were trying not to work I don't mean that in a bad way I mean you were trying to keep away from a day job weren't you I think Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I take my hat off to those people who can juggle writing and work. I cannot do that. I've tried so hard. I just can't do it. Um, I think, um, especially you know, the volume I like to put out. I can't. Um, sorry, I'm going I'm going backwards on this. So I find that if I take one day off, I'm kind of losing interest in my project immediately. And so if I have to work that day and go and spend, you know eight, nine, ten hours working for the man, I've, I've lost all creativity and energy by the time I get home. So it needed complete dedication to just the writing. Okay, so it was a, it was a focus for you. I know exactly what you mean by that. You kind of get out of the zone, don't you, when you're having to think of other things, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a very brief stint. I think I've worked, uh, I've worked for Sainsbury's, I think, for about six weeks. Um, but... I've been reading a lot about a rapid release then, so I kind of jumped ship and just said, okay, I need to put this out as soon as possible and just go for it. So, you see, I saw you, we met in person for the first time at 20 Books London. And I can remember the last thing I said to you, because uh, when you and Charlotte were sort of going into your room and I was heading to mine, was, you know, keep going, is it? You, you, you've got to have success because you just put in so much hard work into it. And then, and then you kind of disappeared after 20 books and then you popped up in a post on Facebook where you kind of made this amazing amount of money in, what was it, the four months in between since I'd last seen you. And it was like, it came out of nowhere. So was that plan kind of already underway when I saw you in 20 books? Ah, <sighs> going back a bit. Um... <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I was actually, I, I think on the day I met you, I was releasing the first of my eight books in a row. So I was doing one book every week. Uh, and on that day, that was, that was book one. Uh, so I was, I wasn't expecting much from it, to be honest. I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm just shocked, really. I'm loving it, though. So. Well, I think you get a bit world-weary, don't you? I mean, why I've always been so interested to follow your career is because it's, it's frankly so much like mine. You know, you've got, I'm about one to two years behind you, I hope I am, with this current success uh, that you're experiencing. But uh, I always feel like you've, you've always been ahead of me. You know, you hit your $1,000 uh, month before I did. You're always ahead of me with this stuff. Um, but, and so I, I want to kind of model what you're doing right now. But you didn't write the books from scratch, did you, those eight books? Uh, not all of them, though. Uh, I think, so there are eight books, I think six of them were actually edits of old books, um, and then I wrote two new ones to go with it. Now, you said about the importance of writing to market, you said that those initial books that you'd written were not written to market. What I'm interested in, with the old books that you kind of revamped, um, how did you sort of re-edit those to market? Did it, it involve a substantial amount of rewriting? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> a ton. I think it took me about six months. Um, just solid, solid editing. Um, to be honest with those, there wasn't much I could do without uh, moving the plot around too much. I, I need to draw the line between um, going over old ground or just perfect, quickly perfecting things that need perfecting. Um, I think that's the the editing problem, though, isn't it? Um, I think mostly I just took out unnecessary swearing and violence. Uh, I changed it all to U.S. English because um, that's the that's the market I was I was going for. Um, that was pretty much what I did. To be honest, it took a long time, but um, uh, it made a difference. 
I remember because I, I've read a lot of your reviews. I, I, I'm honestly, I, it's only healthy stalking, honestly. It's, that's nothing sinister <laughs> about it at all. Um, but I can remember a lot of your reviews on those first books. Um, I think there was was there some child violence on one, and people felt uh, were quite some it put a lot of people off, and they'd said so in the reviews. I, I, that, I think that's a, a lot of what you adjusted, isn't it? That you took some of the extremes of violence off. Absolutely, yeah. Um... <laughs> okay, so I've got a dark mind. So um, <laughs> book one in the series uh, was about child abduction. And there was, um, I, d- I don't know, I guess I have to say torturing so much as killing in particularly vicious ways. Now, I needed to keep uh, the serial killer hated, um, but maybe not that much. So when I came to editing, I dialed back on the details of the scene. There's nothing wrong with a fate black, I think. You know, he took out a knife, uh, the child was on the floor call it a day right there. I didn't need to uh, describe the flesh coming off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's not quite Noddy and Biggie, is it? (laughs) You sure you want to stalk me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, actually. Thanks, Alan. It's been nice knowing you, actually. (laughs) What will he do when he catches me? (laughs) So, no, I mean, I think that's interesting. And the other thing, um, US English, it's interesting. So I've, um, one of the things I've done on my mail, my sort of mailer-like emails, is I find it really good to ask my readers questions, and I've had some brilliant responses. One of the things I asked them was US or UK English, you know, should, which should I write in as an English author? Um, because they, they don't get a lot of what I write. I was writing something the other day about MOT, like, you know, a car MOT, mm-hmm. and an American reader said, I haven't got a clue what that is. Um, and also, uh, I'd asked them about violence, you know, whether violence, we should put violence in books. But I, I think what you say is, is interesting that, if you don't write it, if you suggest it, no one's going to complain. But if you do write it, you might get complaints. That seems to be the way of the world to me. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. And I think the same thing goes for swearing. I was saying this to another author the other day, is that um, people think, oh, should I leave the swearing out? Because it's it's not realistic that this person wouldn't swear. And I'm thinking, I, I've never heard anybody complain about there not being enough swearing in a book. Um, so what's the point in putting it in there and taking the risk? right? And the same thing goes for the violence, I think. So did you remove all the swears? Uh, more or less. There's a son of a bitch here or there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I dropped the F word left, right and centre, actually. I'm terrible with it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, try, I do a search and replace on my F word when I've written the book uh, to, to remo- reduce it to under 10 over a course of a book. That's what I tend to do because I, I do use it a lot. Yeah, that's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is, it is I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right there. No one ever complained because there wasn't enough swearing. And, uh, you know, no one ever complained because there wasn't enough violence. I think there's, that's it. I think there's some interesting points in there, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and one that we can learn from. Now, you did an eight book rapid release. How many of those were new books, Adam? Uh, I, I, top of my head, I think it's two. <laughs> <laughs> and did you lead with the news or did you lead with the rewritten's? Uh, I led with the rewritten ones, um, particularly, it was more or less chronological, but I moved things just a little bit, so as the least favoured ones were going first. Okay, now the other thing I need to ask you, and I, I actually only realised this today before we spoke, that, um, and I want to know how you did this, you've still got an old Adam Nichols author profile, on which you've got uh, Hush, Black Widow, Blackout, Black Magic, Living With Liars, all the, all the sort of books I first knew you for, uh, and they're there under Adam Nichols as the author name, and then you've also got Adam Nichols as your new author name with the revamped books, um, and I was looking at your URL, I know this is, this is very, very geeky, um, the URL's the same too, it's sort of Adam-Nichols in both cases, so how, how have you managed that, how did that work? 
Uh, I wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> right. I, I didn't even realize I still had that available, to be honest with you. But um, I would imagine, because Amazon do, don't unpublish their paperbacks. Uh, I'm, right. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. Is, are the e-books removed, but the paperbacks yeah. remaining? You're ah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably what happened yeah it's there. a line of paperbacks. That's why I think I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, well, that, well, that explains that then, because I was trying to work out how you've done that. So in, in which case, what I am interested in is if you're rewriting books that still have like, you know, their life forces still on Amazon with the old titles. How does that work from a practical point of view? And did you take your reviews with you or, or dump them? Uh, I dubbed them. I wanted a clean slate completely. Um, going back to the violence thing, I, d- I didn't want somebody complaining about there being too much violence when there isn't in the new version, you know. So I, I kind of, that is an old ship and it's still floating around in the sea out there. But um, this one, this is a cruise liner. I love it. <laughs> Everybody wants a piece. <laughs> so um, why did you go for weekly rapid release? Because there's all sorts of, you know, there's monthly, there's weekly, there's seven days, seven days, 14 days, 28 days. There's so many rapid release models flying around at the moment. Why why the sort of seven-day rapid release? Um, honestly, I think um, I, I don't find that monthly is rapid. Um, I, I'm sure you've heard the stories about uh, Amazon promoting your book up to, was it 28 days or something? Yes, that's the one, yes. Uh, and then I've read a few posts saying that that's gone down to maybe 14, 15 days now. So I just thought I'd, uh, I'd seize that opportunity and um, get them all out as fast as possible. Um, it worked. Um, I've since tried a, a monthly one, interestingly, and it, it doesn't really do much. I find that monthly releases are they're great for keeping up your momentum, but not good for gaining the traction to begin with. Okay, so... When you came back then to that first release, rewritten book, new cover, new Amazon author page, no reviews, is that right? Mm-hmm. New blurb, so okay. completely revamped, is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. So how did you launch that book? Because, you know, normally we'd just publish it on Amazon and hope for the best. What What did you do to get that first book going? Um, okay, so there's a, a combination of things. Uh, last time we spoke, I, I, I talked about um, e-reader news today, uh, Robin Reads, and we both loved uh, Bargain Booksy. Yes. Um, to be honest, I just stuck with those three, uh, and I, I started to dabble in Facebook ads. I was spending more than I was getting out of those, but it, I, I think Amazon saw the traffic and started to bump it up a little bit. And were you, what were you advertising at? Were you 99 cents or were you free? Um, oh, God, good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have thought 99 cents, to be honest. I don't think I've done any promo free on this uh, on, on this account profile. Um, I, I don't think I will again either, to be honest. That, that's right. Okay, that's interesting because uh, let's talk about that because I, I'm sure you've had book bubs, haven't you? As well. uh, Yes, a, a ton of them. <laughs> uh, you've had free book bubs, though, and, and 99 cents ones? Uh, free book bubs? Oh, um, yes. Uh, no, I haven't had any 99 cents ones. Sorry, I was trying to rack my brain there. <laughs> so they've all been free? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so I have a theory that when you go free, you take a hit on reviews. That's my, my personal theory. Is that rubbish, or have you found that to be the case? Uh, I, I can't. 100% confirm it, but I believe that that's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I recently did a, a a very brief free promotion, I think it was two or three days, um, and I went from an average of 4.7 stars to 3.8, uh, 
that stung. <laughs> yeah, well, that, this, you see, this is a, another reason why I'm always interested in you, because um, you, like me, uh, I, I, my reviews are about 3.8, 3. something like that. You know, yes, I guess a lot of four and fives in there. And, and this is what I'm thinking is, am I taking the hit because I keep pushing these books on uh, BookBub for free and therefore you get a, kind of a less discerning reader? If it's just for free, they just pile it in, don't they? They just pile it up on their e-reader. And I'm not sure they show any kind of ju- you know, judgment particularly. So when they read it and don't like it, it's because they haven't really checked it beforehand. That's my feeling with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Adam Croft uh, made a point of saying that people – impulse buy books the whole business impulse buying um and when they're free there's a little bit more of an impulse (laughs) um you don't tend to read about what you're downloading it's free why not just take it Uh, and those people are quite fast to judge based on the quality compared to the quality that they'll pay say four dollars for so you made that book 99 pence and cents you Mm -hmm. were listing amazon exclusive uh, yes, yes, I was, yeah. Certainly Amazon exclusive, yep. And so Bargain Booksy, ENT and Robin Reads, but not BookBub. Uh, not, but I, I was applying for BookBub from the start. I don't think I got one on that book. Um, <laughs> basically, every time I get an opportunity to apply for a BookBub, I do it. I seize it immediately. Uh, and I've been pretty lucky lately. Actually, I think I've had five in the last year, maybe six. And those ones will be at 99 cents now, are they? Uh, they'll, probably, they'll probably go for free, to be honest. So they will go for free, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't mind short-term free promotions. I would never go perma-free. I think that's the, um, that's the, uh, the difference. That's the one not to do, okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, you see, you know, Bargain Books, the ENT uh, Reader and Robin Reads, they're, they're, good, uh, they're good sites, but they're not spectacular sites. They don't do <laughs> what BookBub does for you. So, so where... Where with that first book at 99 cents, where was that kind of placing you in the charts? Uh, not too high. Uh, actually, that first book was a collection of short stories, which I don't tend to find do very well anyway. Uh, more than anything, I just wanted Amazon to look at me, and then they would do the rest. Um, so I was applying for book bubs on that, and my, uh, I, I want to say, spy thriller trilogy. Um, but they're not, again, they weren't written to market, so they're, they're undefinable. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think I've made it into 40,000 or something really, really bad like that. Um, it's, I, I, I'm quite convinced it's the traction that did it. So, um, the, the next book then, so, so seven days, do you have a, do you have a release day? Do you have a preferred release day that you think works better? Uh, you mean the day of the, day of yes, the week? Yes, day of the week, yeah. Uh, I read, uh, somewhere else that Monday or Thursday are better. Um, I've always done Monday since then. I don't know why. It just sounded like a safe bet, and it seems to do okay. So you're doing Monday, yeah. And uh, so so, uh, do you you have a time of release? Do you time it for the USA or anything like that? Uh, I do. I I try to get everything as close to 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, That's when Eastern are waking up at 9 a.m. So it's... uh, yeah, I'm making notes. No, this is all going down. This is <laughs> so Monday, 4 p.m. UK time, 99 cents. Okay, so you you did the first one. You must have felt with that first one. Oh, this is just what I normally get. You know, nothing's really happening at the moment. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, it took a number of weeks to be honest before I saw any results. Um, I, I I've always wondered if it was down to those first few books not being very good because I knew that the later ones were better. 
um, or if it was a case of the algorithm picking it up with uh, weekly releases. Uh, I never did find the answer, <laughs> but I've since tried a, a different rapid release of all new books. Um, that's done just as well. So. Do the books need to be in a series? Uh, they don't have to be. They do better, for sure. Um, I, I, I think um, you're better off doing a series of five books rather than, say, two trilogies. Um, but I, I think, to be honest, the, the algorithm just likes to see that you're publishing. Right, okay. So so with that said, then, um, I, I'm, good, I'm preparing for a rapid release and re-release in September, October of this year. Mm-hmm. With, with, with that said... I should unpublish the books and rename them and relaunch them, you think? Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't like to take the blame if anything went wrong. No, no, no. no. In, in your experience, what would you do? In my experience, yeah, I would, I would take them all down, uh, give your readers time to miss you, and then come back uh, kind of rebranded, you know. Um, uh, think Phoenix. <laughs> and ditch the review. So I've, I've got a trilogy which has done really well for me in, in that you know it gets book bumps every six months it bring you know it bring it's i pretty well it's been my earnings earnings for the last 18 months this trilogy um and and so you know so i'm thinking okay that's a good trilogy that i know that gives me momentum you know it gets me to number one in free and all of these sorts of things when you and i were on a chart recently weren't we you know that it got it gets me on those charts um it gets it's got me onto the apple charts when i've gone wide as well really high on the apple charts so i'm sort of thinking well should i go with the low-hanging fruit should i go for the one that's successful or do i just scorched earth everything and start it again um that's an interesting question um it depends if you think it's worth the risk uh i mean are the changes you want to make significant enough to warrant the actual change or uh i mean i mean if you have a clear view of what you want to apply to the 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 rebrand the relaunch then absolutely go for it that's my advice but not gospel (laughs) no 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 well that's I, i know it's just all experience you know what works for one won't work for another but i'm i'm really kind of after your best practice if you want i just really want to uh uh jump on your magic coattails and see if we can recreate a bit of that magic um and, and burrow you know deep down into it so we're a week in and mm-hmm. to you it just feels like any other launch you know it's doing okay but nothing nothing dramatic just just like it was in the old days is that fair to say yeah yeah i think so it's basically peanuts right <laughs> so you release the next one and when you release the next one what I want to know is, are you still promoting the first one, or do you now move to Bargain Books, the ENT reader, and Robin Reads on the new one? Um, so I'm still promoting, and I, I think I was minimising, because the next one is the first of the series. Um, so I'm, I, I think I have to be ad spend on uh, the, the collection of short stories. Uh, and then I'm always applying for ENT and Bargain Booksy. In fact, a uh, little nugget here. Um, I sent them emails and had a bit of personal communication with them to ask them if uh, they wouldn't mind uh, featuring me multiple times because of the relaunch. Uh, and they were quite accommodating. Oh, that's interesting. So so personal contact. And, and who are you emailing there? The help desk? Uh, yeah, it's just the help desk. But you end up speaking to, I think her name is Bridget from uh, eReader News today. Um, that's like my only consistent contact. The rest of them, you know, they know who I am and they're quite happy to feature me, which is very kind. So you're basically saying, look, I'm doing a rapid re-release. I've got a book coming out for the next eight weeks. Uh, you know, are you able to support me in, in a weekly promo? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I mean, if they can't fully accommodate, they can at least try their best. I think uh, they couldn't do all of my eight books, but they could do, I think, five of or something. Uh, so I, I specifically targeted the first in a series or, you know, the ones that I thought would be doing better. So th- that's week two. You've got another book going. And then week three, how are you doing the ads at week three? Now, I, I know we've got – I'm separating the Facebook ads here from the kind of promo sites that you've got <laughs> because Facebook ads, obviously, you could run to all books all the time. Uh, presumably you were doing that? Uh, I never advertised book two in a series, ever. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, I just, I, people aren't going to – I think by the time people read book one, they already know if they want to read book two. And you're never going to – I may be wrong here, but I don't think you're going to get anybody look at book two and say, oh, I might read book one, actually. So, um, yeah, I definitely target book one. Always take the lead book. Okay, then. And that, and that's presumably the same for Bargain Booksy and Robin Reads and all of that lot, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you're on, uh, this is getting confused. When you get to, when you're promoting book two in week three, wh- <laughs> yeah. where are you sending your bargain booksy to? Uh, absolutely nowhere. Uh, I'm literally just feeding off the uh, excitement for book one. <laughs> uh, because uh, if they said I could have five releases, I don't want to waste it on a book two in a series, knowing that it wouldn't do so well. So I'm saving it for book one of the next trilogy. If that makes sense. Yeah, okay, but you've not got a lot going on there, you see. You've got some Facebook ads which you say, you know, we're not, certainly in the first instance, we're not doing brilliantly. Um, you've got, you're kind of promoting via email list. And I'm sort of thinking, well, that first book you did was not part of a series. So how are you, when you talk about sort of excitement, how 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 are we getting that excitement from a book that's effectively standalone? You're moving them to the next book. How, how are you doing that? Uh, I think it's a combination of two things. One is uh, Amazon at this point is I'm noticing I'm publishing frequently, so they're pushing it up and they're promoting it themselves a little bit. Uh, but also I'm working on my newsletter. I was lucky enough to already have a little bit of a following. I think it's like 2,000 readers at the time. Um, so I was just constantly, I was, I was kind of spamming emails, but I was trying not to do it in a salesman sort of way. Um, I do want to go back and talk about newsletters later, actually, if you can. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to talk to you, but I get your newsletter, you see, because I've been stalking you in that way as well. <laughs> uh, well, I, so I'm very methodical about this stuff. I printed out that post that you did in uh, Facebook, um, you know, in 20 books, and I went through it with a fine tooth comb because, you know, you, you, this is how you learn from other people, you, which is how you did it, isn't it? You just you oh, learn absolutely. from people who are doing what you want to do, and you, and you pick the bones clean. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, I think you, you, you've got to see what you're comfortable doing as well. It's, I know there's a no risk, no reward kind of thing going around, but, um, but I, I think you've got to be cautious at the same time. It's hard to draw the line, you know. But I think you didn't, you, um, when we were talking at 20 Books in London, I'm sure you said, um, hadn't you borrowed some money to allow you to do covers and edits? I had, yeah. It's a significant amount. Um, can we can we talk about that? Because that you know this is this is why you know frankly you deserve every bit of success you've got because you've really stuck your neck on the line with this. Do, do you mind talking about that? No, no, absolutely. Uh, what would you like to know? <laughs> well, how much did you borrow, and how you know, and how scary was that? Um, I borrowed about six, I think it was about sixteen thousand. Oh, um, <gasps> um, I'll have it yeah, well, that just about covered the laundry fees for my underpants, you know. Um, it was uh, it was very scary. Um, I, I think I think like you said earlier, it's it coming down to desperation. I wanted to be an author and I wanted to be a successful author, so whatever I could put on the line, I would. Uh, thankfully, I had a girlfriend who was accommodating of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, what, what would we do without these spouses who support us, however crazy we are? I don't know. You've got to love them, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like an endurance test being married to you, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> no, well, that, but so 16,000, and that was for, uh, what, to, to live and then for covers and credits? Uh, I, I, I tried to keep my, uh, my, my writing money and my, my personal money separate. I kind of pay myself a wage, but uh, the list was 16,000 going exclusively towards the relaunch. Um, a lot of that was held back. I was kind of spending money I didn't have as well on top of that. Just like, oh, I don't know, maybe I could stretch it out for another month. Or um, I, I think I had to take the risk. Um, thankfully, it paid off. <laughs> yeah, this is. So I want people to know this because um, I think there's always a fear. You know, when you see success stories like yours. There's always a sort of fear. Well, how, did they, how did they do that? And I know because I've been talking to people for a long time. There's usually something else in there. You know, there's usually some massive commitment, some terrible, uh, you know, leap of faith that many people would take. And, and you, frankly, uh, have have been an entrepreneur in that respect. You know, you're like, dare I say, it, you know, it's like a, a Richard Branson or something like that, that entrepreneurs, you know, will often say, you know, I'm doing this or dying. You know, I have to do this. And, and I think you've shown that kind of level of commitment to it. Uh, I, I kind of got that off of, um, have you heard of Gary V? I think yes. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic, very inspiring, and he spoke about sacrifice um, and how without sacrifice you are not going to get what you want, and it, even if you do, it's lucky it won't happen again. Um, so I think you've got to be prepared to take a leap. That's not to say that you have to lose something to gain something, but um, you need to be prepared to. Yeah, this is not financial advice, everybody, by the way. Yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but you need to understand, you know, that uh, Adam didn't just turn up and have success. You know, you, you've I really worked for this. I've been following you. It must be must be four or five years I've been following you on Kindling, um, you know, which is why I'm so delighted that you've had this breakthrough because, blimey, you deserve it. I didn't realize you'd borrowed 16,000. That, that, that's bringing me out in palpitations, that is, Adam. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big risk. So so well done. It paid off. Oh, thank um, you. What I want to know then it now is um, when did you start to feel that this eight-book rapid release, what what sort of week were you where you thought, oh, hey, look at this. This is now beginning to take on a life of its own. I would say around week five, maybe. Um, the Yeah, I'd say around week five. I think I was on to my second trilogy here, um, and I was starting to make back a little bit more than I was spending on the ads. Um, still wasn't a profit, of course, I had the 16,000 loan, but uh, but I, I kind of, I, I wanted to pretend to myself that I hadn't made any money so I could make better business judgments. Um, by the time I came around to that idea, a week later, I doubled that money. How? How, how did you suddenly double that money? Um, I, honestly, I think it was just the, just Amazon just giving me a wave to ride on. Um, I've done two rapid releases since then, um, and what I find is that it, it's, you kind of have to advertise, but even if you're advertising badly, they're seeing that you're you're a frequent publisher. They're seeing that you're driving traffic towards their site, and they're happy to say, oh, okay, that's popular. Let's show it to other people who want it. So I'm, I'm sure it's the consistency of publishing that is pushing this on. I actually... Disclaimer, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I just know what happened for me. Uh, so you were only, I mean, you know, you hear of, um, so Adam Croft's story, for instance. You know, Adam was having so much success with Facebook ads that he couldn't put money on credit cards fast enough. That was his experience when he had his breakthrough. Um, but with your breakthrough, it seems to be that you were just doing 
normal things, bargain books, the ENT reader, Robin reads, the Facebook ads were not doing spectacular things like Adams did. Mm-hmm. And you just kept doing that using your promos when you had them. You emailed your list. Did you get, did you have anybody else emailing out for you? Did you get any more traction from anywhere else? Uh, absolutely none. No, <laughs> none whatsoever. Um, I think the difference between me and Adam is, I mean, Adam's obviously nailed the whole Facebook advertising thing. I'm not so fortunate. Um, you may have heard the old adage that nothing sells the last book like the next book. Mm. A firm believer in that. Absolutely firm believer. How are you getting the um, the sort of read through? Is the thing I'm interested in. You know, um, I think we've all probably we all know that we're supposed to have a little link in the back of our book saying sign up for our newsletter. But but do they heck? You know, they do. do, do you know, whoever whoever sort of you know sold hundred books and then was amazed at the number of sign ups they got as a result of that. I don't think. I mean, have you had that experience? Uh, I've I've been experimenting with it a lot actually. Um, I tend to find that if you've got links for. Um, your newsletter and the next book in the back page, then they will go to one or the other. Um, I, I think it tends to be the next book. I'm, if there's one thing I need to improve on for sure, it's it's newsletters. You mean the the, the, the quality or content of them? Uh, gaining subscribers, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But uh, you but you do giveaways. I've seen you on uh, book funnels. I think haven't I? Yeah, I don't find them too successful. If I'm honest with you, um, no, they've gone off. I think haven't they? Yeah, perhaps, yeah. I mean, I, I never really did have much success with them. I, I tend to find, I don't know, for instance, 500 subscribers and 400 of those will leave. So, yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. That, well, that, you know, that, that, that's fair enough. So, so what would you say is your, your best technique for getting people onto your mailing list? Are you prepared to share the size of your mailing list now? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not growing that much. It's 4,000. But unlike other people, I, I, I weed out the people who aren't reading because, you know, you have to pay for the subscribers. So um, I give people, I think you've done this before as well, I give people a chance to read, like, a final email before I have to remove them. Yeah. Um, so these 4,000 readers are completely loyal. They you know, they will buy my book on day one. Um, and the rest are probably enjoying somebody else's fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, I mean, that's right. You see, I think that I've been email marketing for a lot of years, and um, I did a big list burn at GDPR where we did GDPR, and I was talking about it on the podcast saying, you know, it's just vanity having 5,000 people who don't care about you. You're better off having 500 who love everything you do because uh, you'll make 500 sales and you won't be paying for them in the meantime. So, um, you know, I, I agree with that. You're, you're working towards those 1,000 true fans, aren't you, that, that concept, I guess? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, you know, do you want ten mates or one friend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'd rather have. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with you. So I, I would always urge people against the vanity numbers. You know, it's not just about the numbers. You do, it's the engagement you want. You want sort of people to sort of love everything that you're doing, really. Um, so we, we're about sort of week five or six then when you're getting this Amazon traction. And then, of course, you've only got two more books in the pot then. So um, if, you start, if you're only starting to earn the money then, you earned a lot of money. In, in sort of between week six and eight, is that is that right? Yeah. Is that when it starts yeah. to go up? Yeah, I think on week six I made back the loan money, um, and then a little extra, and then the next week it's it's incredible. <laughs> uh, I started moving up to um, I don't want to say too much about numbers, but I started moving on to and the next week was like nine thousand on that week or something, um, and I, I, I found that. I actually had more sales for the two or three months after that rapid release than I did during. 
But I mean, that's just, it's astonishing, isn't it? Because when you've been stuck in the doldrums for so long, that just must be like black magic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's, it's kind of, it feels like it's too good to be true. And at the time, um, I, I hope they don't have their assassins watching me, but Amazon were having their little Thanos snap moment when they were banning people for, um, uh, was it page stuffing? Oh yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> so I think everybody was on was on watch there, <laughs> and um, so I was getting scared that you know I'd be picked on or targeted. Um, so again, I just wasn't spending it at this point. I was just too scared to, to you know, I was going to lose it because we paid three months after we earn it, right? So. Yeah, well, you know it's coming in, but sometimes you could do with it now, couldn't you? <laughs> rather rather than three months' time. Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Instant payments. Yeah. Um, so when you finish the eight the eight books, then. It, it continues, does it? Does, that, does Amazon continue it, or how much did you have to fan the flames? Um, I, I I really reduced my Facebook advertising. I think I was down to three to five hundred a month um, per book, but I was only advertising two books. Um, uh, I'm going to give a nugget here. Nugget number three um, <laughs> is that I actually got lazy, really lazy. This is Confessions of the Workaholic, um, and. I just kind of enjoyed the money and sat back and just watched the numbers go up. And then it hit a point where I started to see it go down. Um, that's when I started to light up my next rapid release and it just kind of shot it straight back up. So, yeah, okay. So uh, did you have to write those ones, did you? Or did you revamp them? I, I wrote some new ones. Um, so this is, uh, I think this kind of backs up what I was saying about the consistency. I think I've gone three, four, five, maybe even five months of not publishing a single thing. And my business took a hit for it. Okay. Um, you were so you were doing a bit of Facebook in that time, but were you still doing the bargain booksy kind of thing? Um, every now and then, I think I had a book bubble too during the time. Um, but it, honestly, it didn't do anything for me that releasing a new book wouldn't have done. So, but essentially, at that time, Amazon was keeping you going. It was that it was the algorithm sustaining you at that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, the algorithm is the urban myth. <laughs> like, I trust it. It's made me money. So. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm not prepared to go another, say, two months without publishing ever again. Wow, really? Okay, that's very interesting. So so having got the algorithm tickled, you, you, you really need to be doing one a month after that? Um, I mean, not necessarily one a month. I hear people who are doing one every two months. Um, that's the longest I've heard of. Uh but, yeah, I think you need to get yourself up there, and then you definitely need to stay up there. I, th- I would say monthly. And, wh- and why does that work? When you release the next book, say, in a month's time, does that sort of – it just retickles the algorithm, does it? Having established yourself in there, it just gives it that little extra tickle? I think so. I mean, Amazon is, I, I guess, consider it a dog. It just wants attention. You're giving it loads of attention, loads of cuddles and tickles and kisses and all sorts. And then the second you stop, it starts to look elsewhere. Uh, and so you need to re-engage it. But you've got to get there in the first place, I take it? Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's where the rapid release comes in best. Okay, so so you never had a whiff of this before, you know, pre- pre- prior to this. It's definitely rapid release that does this. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing I want to ask you is, because, um, you know, I, I look at things like uh, reviews and things like that, and, you know, you and I get reviewed about the same kind of level um, for books, and this has sort of been a frustration for me. You know, I, I, I want to kind of, I want people to buy my books in, in bulk, and I want to be a 4.8 kind of star writer, but I, that seems to elude me. The more books I shift, the more those review levels seem to sort of veer to the three. But, I mean, 
in terms of you as a writer, you know, the kind of quality of what you're writing, ha- has, is that responsible for the change in fortunes or is it simply the marketing? It's simply marketing. Um, truth be told, I think that my writing has gone downhill in the last year. <laughs> Don't put that on the book cover. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say this because uh, of the volume that I'm publishing, you know. Um, I, th- I think when, you, when you're forcing out, uh, say, three books in six weeks, uh, the quality will take a little hit. Um, but I don't mind doing that because I think people would rather read more than better for the most part. And are you still, um, you know, edit? Um, you're still getting edits and things like that, or proofreads? Uh, yes, I've actually I've got to start looking at having two proofreaders. Actually, uh, getting a lot of mistakes. I'm not proud. Of. <laughs> right, yeah. but, but you see, this is interesting because when you're in Chris Fox's books, you know, people agonise about this stuff. You know, oh, lovely, you know, I missed a full stop off or I put two full stops on. But actually, no one dies, do they? And presumably, you still shift books. I know you're not proud of it. I always say you want it to be as good as it can be, but you will miss stuff probably. Um, but you're still shifting books, I'm taking it. You know, people aren't leaving in their droves just because you, you got a bit of something wrong. Uh, I, I think people generally have an idea of whether they're positive or negative towards your book anyway. For instance, I love Stephen King. I was reading one of his last night, and it, within 10 pages, I found three mistakes. Now, I know that that's not him, and it's no reflection on him as an author, because I think he's a genius, personally. Uh, but because I'm a fan, because I already know if I like him, I'm willing to put up with it. Uh, okay, it'd be different if it was every page for the whole book, but uh, you you can let certain things go. I think some people are a little bit more uh, uptight or have a small attention span, so are willing to just go and read something else. Do you do the beta reader thing as well? Uh, I, uh, it's more of an arc reader thing. <laughs> um, I just it's literally just a quick flow through. Just to, you know, if they do find mistakes, let me know. But one will find ten mistakes that nobody else found. You know, so. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, you, you always find mistakes, don't you? I think you have to just certain point accept that it's, I call it good to ship. You know, it's okay to go. Uh, you just need to get it out there. When you've got readers crawling all over it, they'll find all the mistakes soon enough, won't they? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Now, a uh, couple of things I want to talk to you about then. Calytics. Now, this is something I've only discovered recently. And actually, I read it in your email and I just didn't move my button and get onto it. But I love Calytics. Instantly, I saw it and fell in love with it. Um, how are you using Calytics? Are you using it for your seven keywords or do you use it elsewhere? Uh, I did. Um, I, I'm not sure how important it is, to be honest. I find that it's a morning's work to use it for seven keywords, but um, sometimes I'm willing to sacrifice that time, sometimes I'm not. I, I can't tell you if it makes a difference, to be honest with you. And what about KDP Rocket? In that post that you put on 20 books, you said KDP Rocket uh, is a must. Um, you said that you use that for your seven Amazon keywords. Um, how, how are you using that? Um, same kind of story, really. I mean, I was just, uh, I think it has like a, an AMS, uh, AMS keyword function in it. It's been a while since I've looked at Rocket, so I'm a bit, um, um, yeah, I just, I, I find what's a good competitive score and just throw them in. But I find that Amazon will publish your book into a different subgenre according to that. So then I have to email them to ask them to move it into the right niche. And so I'm not sure how much it affects it. <laughs> And how many genres are you listed in? How many, uh, sorry, categories are you listed in? Do you go for the, how, how many is it we can have, however many categories we're allowed to have? Do you, do you stuff it with categories? Uh, I think it's three categories now. Um, I No, I don't, I don't stuff it. I, I mean, I know what I'm writing for. I'm writing for vigilante justice and domestic thrillers and serial killers. And so I, I just target those three. Yeah, just know, know what you're going for. Yeah, that's part of writing to market, of course, isn't it, as well? Oh. 
Um, you mentioned uh, mailing lists and MailerLite. I get your mail every Monday, I think it is, isn't it? You send one on a Monday, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. And um, interesting, you do something that's worked really well for me in the last 12 months, which is um, you don't make it all about the books. It's personal. And Ruby, your dog, um, features highly in that. Oh, yeah, she sells my books. <laughs> Number one piece of advice, get a dog. Yeah, I know. i got to get a dog. <laughs> no, kids don't have the same effect, but um, <laughs> certainly not grown-up ones. So They're doing uh, my books. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so what's, what are your – you use MailerLite. I love MailerLite too. So what are your kind of um, mailing tips? What would you advise with MailerLite? Uh, just be human, I think. Um, uh, Katie Forrest gave me this, this, this piece of advice. Uh, don't be an author to them. Be a friend. Um, so I'm always including, um, uh, you know, my, my travels, uh, even what I'm watching on Netflix. So, you know, we went up to this hill today to take Ruby for a walk. Um, and then I leave that last piece of the email just for, oh, by the way, here's my book. Um, and they seem to appreciate that. I think it's because it's not spamming. Um, but I also, I, I tend to do a thing with questions. I ask a lot of questions, and that engages them. You see, they, you know, you say, oh, where have you been on your vacations lately? Um, and, and your inbox gets flooded. Now, it takes time to go through all these emails, a lot of time. But I, I find it pays off, because that's where you get your loyalty from. Absolutely. I've, I've been doing that te- technique last month, or this last month. I had 230 emails to respond to. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you imagine how long that took. And it was um, one of the things I found that worked really well. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link if you want to have a look, because it's your genre. Is I ask them an author question every month. Uh, things like, you know, um, this, this month's question was, um, should you include sex scenes in books? And that, that got me 230 personalized replies, you know, which is... I've never had as good a response to that. Um, but what I find is you then send the reply, they send the reply back, and you get that conversation going, which is exactly what you said, be more than an author, be a friend, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice, and it's rewarding more than just financially, obviously. Um, I've made some really good friends out of my readers, um, and if they stop buying my books tomorrow, I'd still be friends with them for years. Um, there's, there's more to it than just money, I think. You can tell that they're going to be listening to this, can't you? I'm sucking up to them. (laughs) (laughs) Think of your audience, yeah. Yeah. One of of the things, uh, and I'm sure this is, you know, going back to where we began, um, one of my frustrations as an author is, you know, although I can have some good months now on on BookBub, um, and, uh, you know, uh, earnings are going up slowly, but they're they're not good enough. They're not good enough. I want to be where you are, uh, where you can, I say, relax a little bit, but, you know, where you can say, oh, wow, you know, that's more money than I need, not not enough, that's more than I need. And that's a nice position to, to sort of be in, I think. Um, so what, what I'm interested in is I always feel that, well, I'm selling books and shifting books. I don't kind of have that feeling that I've kind of made it or that people are waiting with bated breath for my next book. Do, do you kind of feel now the algorithm is working your way, that you, do, that you release a book and people buy it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly relate to all those feelings that you're talking about still and probably always will because you never know when the bug's going to be swept out from under you, you know. Um, for all we know, Amazon could fall flat tomorrow. Uh, so <laughs> I, I guess don't take it all for granted. But um, I, honestly, I try not to pay too much attention. I just focus on the next book if I can. Um, I, this is quite important to know. This whole rapid release strategy, it it is for... Kindle Unlimited. It's it's not for wide. 
She probably should have led with that, actually. But <laughs> no, that's fine. Well, that means people have to listen to the whole interview, doesn't it? So that's that's what? good. <laughs> okay, so um, so yeah, yeah, we, we want the reads, and I mean, I've I've on Bookbubs, I've seen reads be responsible for fifty percent of my Amazon income. Would you? Is that typical? Are you higher or lower than that? Ninety uh, percent. Oh, at really? Least. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I I haven't seen a fluctuation in that either, but that might be my particular subgenre. That's a, that's astonishing. And have you had any um, bonuses yet? Uh, actually, no. Uh, you would think that I had, but I just don't. Um, I think it's because of the reads thing rather than the, the sales. I'm not sure how that whole system works, but I want in. That, yeah, that's 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 astonishing then, because I said 90%. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to KDP. I've been wide for a while. And uh, I think the only advantage I've got from being wide is that um, when you get onto a, it's much easier to get on a uh, an Apple chart. And I've been next to people like Lee Child and things like that. So I've got some beautiful screenshots from it. But, <laughs> you know, you and me know that unless it's money in your pocket, who cares really? It's just a kind of vanity it's just a vanity picture, but it's quite nice to have a few of those. Um, but um, you know, it's not enough. It's not enough money. I, I'm coming to the conclusion that, however precarious it is, you know, and Amazon could whip the blanket away underneath us, it still makes more money, doesn't it? And that's kind of what we need. Yeah, yeah. It's a take your poison sort. So what I read is that to, to get successful going wide, uh, and this is just what I've picked up from other people, is that it can take up to three years now to build a decent following. Uh, I. I'd like to start going that way a little bit, but I'm not prepared to sacrifice my income for it just yet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, you, you've had an amazing success story, and as I keep saying, boy, you deserve it. You know, six, oh, 16,000, I'm still, my heart's still going too fast <laughs> at, at that one. You know, that's that's huge um, commitment. Do, do you kind of feel now, um, you're sort of happy with your success levels? Do you feel like you've made it now? Uh, no, I'm still trying to improve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I could double this, you know, not to be greedy, but <laughs> you know, it's a business at the end of the day. You, you always got to look for your next step. And is it consistent now? This uh, yeah, I, th- I think I have uh, because every time I do a rapid release, I I do lose a little bit of momentum, and so my sales do take a little bit of a dip. But then I make up for it with the rapid release. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. As I say, you know, you really do deserve it. It's been it's fantastic when you see authors uh, breaking through. I've got an eight-book rapid release scheduled. I was going to do it once a month, but you've maybe changed my mind now. It's going to be once every week now, if that's <laughs> if that's what you're saying works. And I shall be, you know, following every single bit of information you've given us here. So, so just to finish, you know, it, it is interesting that you've been you've been in the doldrums. You know, you were in the doldrums when I sort of last saw you. What would you say to people who are kind of not quite there-ish authors? Um, just talk to a lot of people, listen to what they have to say, uh, and absolutely study the market. Just you need to give them what they want. That was thriller writer Adam Nichols, and you can find out more about Adam at adamnicholsauthor.com. I'll be deploying those techniques in my own rapid re-release project, which is penciled in for September or October of this year. Watch this space for more details. In the meantime, I'll be back with another episode of Paul's Podcast Diary on Saturday the 8th of June when I'll be updating you with all my latest author news. Until then, bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. 
In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.